I really feel that the Lord put on my heart that he wants to speak to two different types of people to this morning, and it's about the gift of faith. In 1 Corinthians 12, he outlines a lot of the different gifts that the Spirit can give to us, and I think that there are people, I know there are people in this body who have the gift of faith, and there are those people that no matter when you go to them, they just have a belief that just perseveres, and sometimes they don't understand why they believe, they don't understand why their faith isn't shaken. Um, but they just have a faith that perseveres. And I want to say, I want to affirm you in our congregation who are those people, because you are an incredible anchor and a resource to the people around you who have that, who, who may not be given that gift of a faith that is indomitable. You have that, and you're called to actually encourage others in their faith as well. So don't be... Don't be uh, shy. When it comes time, when someone you feel someone is slipping or someone is doubting, you go to them and you just say, you know what, believe what you believe. Believe that God is who he is. Believe that he is always the same. And I feel like the opportunity right now during when we're singing the song, I believe the opportunity is open right now for the Holy Spirit to give that gift of faith to people who really, really want it. He gives good gifts to those who ask him for it. And if you can say to him, you say, Lord Jesus, I have always wanted an indomitable faith, a gift of faith, where a gift that will help carry me through and will also help me to bless the people around me with this faith. I believe that the, uh, the door is open for those of you who are really, really are seeking it. So if you would with me, just close your eyes. And if, if this is something that you desire, just raise your hand. Lord Jesus... Thank you so much for your Holy Spirit. Thank you so much for the gifts that you give us. Lord Jesus, we desire a gift of faith. We desire a faith that perseveres and continues. That no matter what the world throws at us, we believe what we believe. And come hell or high water, we are going to stand on that. Lord Jesus, we desire and we ask and we receive the gift of faith. Lord Jesus, we want to be the people that the people around us, when, when those high waters come, they come to us and they say, I don't know what's going on, but you seem to have faith. You seem to not be shaken. And Lord Jesus, we, we, with open arms, we say we receive that right now, Lord Jesus. To your glory, we want to glorify you in any situation that can come. And Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that the door is always open that you are always extending your hand with your gifts inside of them, Lord Jesus. We thank you and we praise you. Amen. Um, I, I would also actually like to welcome any of you who this might be your first time here today, or if you're newer to Westside, a very warm welcome to you guys. So I know it's always a little bit intimidating to walk into a new church and to meet people and uh, those kind of things. Westside is a very friendly church. Uh, you will get greeted, and people will say hello, and it's a church who actually, we're in the middle of a series called Authentic, but I was just talking with the elders this morning uh, before the prayer time, the prayer time before the prayer time, and um, saying, you know, that's actually what our church is about. We are actually about reality. We're about people, about people who love Jesus, who want to honor God, honor His Word, and live out a life, not fake Christianity, not just checking off a list but really, really following after God. And so that takes some sacrifice. It takes a little bit of uh, laying down your agenda and your, and your preferences and those kind of things to come together. And so we're so grateful uh, for what God is doing here at Westside. And so there'll be another 101 class coming up uh, probably in the springtime. And so make sure you um, come to that if, you're, if you haven't been to Westside 101 yet. We'd, I would appreciate that. 
During the worship time, one of the songs that we sang, I Desire Your Presence and Desire Your Glory, that last song that they did, I, I love that song. Uh, I just felt uh, in the Lord that I wanted to address that just for a minute. Uh, the Bible talks about loving God. That's our theme this year in 2015, is loving God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, and your mind. And so some of you out here, about half of you really, are very cerebral. You kind of major on the brain and the logical side. And, so, and the other half of you are lean toward, more toward the emotional or heart side. All right? And there's everything in between. You know, we all fall on the scale somewhere. Uh, and we, both have, we all have a little bit of both. None of us are purely robots, and none of us are purely marshmallows, you know. We just don't have that. We're not 100%. We're a mixture somewhere. Uh, but I just want to say uh, that, heart was very, or that song was very heart. It was very full of heart and emotion and loving God and longing for His presence and those kind of things. So the cerebral people, when we sing songs like that, make sure you don't, you don't just check out. Uh, because God is a God yeah. full of emotions. You know the Bible says that He dances over you with joy and with singing. He loves you like a daddy loves his little kids and romping around with them. And at the same time, God is logical and He's scientific. And He created the laws, the physical laws of the universe. He knows very well how to create a, an atom you know, he knows how to do those things. So when we're called to love him with our mind and our heart, not or, our mind or our heart, sometimes we want to say, okay, I'll love him with my mind because I could do that. Those of you up here, ask God to stretch you down here. And those of you that are down here all the time, ask God to uh, quicken you and to, uh, that you can walk in a deeper knowledge of his word and understanding of the things that he's done. Does that make sense? Uh, we really want to do those things. Those are like, you know, which uh, wing of an airplane do you want? The right wing or the left wing? No, actually, we want both of those wings, all right? And so there's a lot of things in God's Word that are truth like that. They seem to be truth intention, some theologians uh, refer to it as truth intention. They're just two truths. They seem to be opposite, but they actually kind of keep each other in tension. Jesus was full of grace and truth. Uh, that means he cut people some slack, and he was exacting, all right, at the same time, full of grace and truth. So anyway, that was just something out of that song, and I want to encourage you in that. We're in our series of Authentic, and we're going through the book of First John. Uh, John, the great apostle, the young apostle, who is now the only apostle living at the end of the first century, he writes this letter to the church, and he just loves the church as he would his own children. And uh, so we're going through this book uh, talking about authenticity. And this isn't the only book. We, we could have gone through James or any number of books and talk, talked about the authentic, uh, but we chose First uh, John. We'll be wrapping that up at the end of November. And uh, we've gone a couple months now, or two and a half months so far, on the attributes. And today in this series is a pivotal point in this series. And uh, we'll talk about that toward the end here. But um, last week we talked about uh, two truths. And it was very, uh, very hard-hitting. If you didn't hear that, I encourage you to... Get it online. Uh, actually, we have a new website, and it works on your mobile phones and your iPads. You can stream, and you're not going to drop it like it used to 
Or you can go to iTunes and go to Westside Church and just subscribe to the uh, podcast and you'll get those uh, deposited rec- uh, directly to your uh, iTunes or podcast account there. And that's all free. And so I encourage you, if you're not a note taker, if you don't like to take notes per se, but you like to hear things and let it absorb that way, then on your commute to work or driving around, just re-listen to it again and really get it into you, especially if you're serious about growing in God. And so I want to encourage you in that respect. But last week we talked about these two truths that God hates sin. He hates, 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 hates sin. And he demonstrated his hatred of sin by the wrath that he poured out on his own son on the cross. And at the same time, God is gracious and made a way for us to come back into right relationship with him uh, by being forgiven of our sins because Jesus paid our penalty for us. And we've got to understand those things. So today we're getting into the end of uh, chapter 3 here in 1 John. It's four verses, but it's really, uh, really power-packed here. Dear friends, John says, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence. And we will receive from Him whatever we ask, because we obey Him and do the things that please Him. And this is His commandment. We must believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as He commanded us. Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with Him and He with them. And we know He lives in us because the Spirit He gave us lives in us. All right? That's pretty easy to read through, but it's full, full, full of truth here. Number one, John says that guilt destroys our confidence before God. Guilt destroys our confidence before God. I love this word confidence. I love this word confidence. Uh, You can see it, uh, a little kid going into a a store. I remember when I was little and we would get a dime. Ten cents would give you two scoops of ice cream at Thrifty's, which is now Rite Aid, all right? How many remember special occasion ice cream? I think they still serve it at Rite Aid. It says Thrifty's on it. It used to be Thrifty's everywhere, and five cents for a single, ten cents for a double, and 15 cents for a triple. Those were the days, all right? (laughs) But don't forget, minimum wage was 65 cents an hour, so I think it all works out. Uh, So we walk in. A little kid with no money in his pocket walking into his store is like this. But you put a dime in his hand, and he's, he's like this. I got money to spend. I'm confident here. And, uh, or it's like if you're like me and didn't do your homework all the time for the teacher, and the teacher says, come and you know, put your homework up here, and you know that so you don't have it. But if you did your homework, look at I did it. You know, I did my homework. It's a miracle, I know, but I did it. It's actually here. And so it's so funny that I became a principal later on. I was probably a nightmare student. And so, but how about coming before God? If you've just yelled at your husband or your wife or your kids in a bad way, in a you know, bad attitude way, you just can't go in to his presence, saying, oh, I long for your glory and your presence, O Lord. All right? You just can't do that. Why? Because sin destroys that confidence to walk before God. Because God is holy. God is holy. And and when we enter in righteous and clean before him, 
we have, we're full of confidence. And that's what John is saying here. So he says, Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence. I just pondered on that this week in, in preparing. And we, we had to do sort of a semi-emergency family thing back in Florida this week. Uh, in between services, basically, Sundays and Thursdays. And, and so we're flying across, and I'm trying to, I'm on the plane, and I'm trying to, you know, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence. I was, you know, what is that? And so finally, I remembered an old trick that a teacher taught me years ago, was if you can't figure something out, just do the opposite. So this is what I did. I rewrote that in the opposite, and it says, if we do feel guilty, we cannot come to God with confidence. If we do feel guilty, we cannot come to God with confidence. In other words, if I'm feeling guilty as a believer, I know that I'm saved. I know that Jesus forgave my sins. I know I'm going to heaven, but I just blew it big time. The Bible calls that sin. It's hard to come to God with confidence. All right? And so this is what John is addressing. And of course, the goal is to come before God with confidence to come before him without any head hanging or shoulders slumping, just like little John John Kennedy. You look it up, you people that are younger and don't uh, remember that big picture on the cover of, of Life magazine of little John John Kennedy. He's like three years old. He's under the desk of his father, JFK, in the Oval Office. And it's a, it's a very poignant picture. The President of the United States of America, the most powerful man on the planet, and his little son can go into the Oval Office and full of confidence. That's my daddy. Whereas you and me, we wouldn't even get through the outside gate. But he can walk right in there into the presence of his Father, and so can we, because the blood of Jesus has washed away our sins. Just check it out in Hebrews chapter 10. Because we have that, we have confidence to enter into his presence without being consumed. Our sin would consume us if that was the case. So uh, John says, if you remain in me and my words in you, you may ask for anything you want. You know, when you've done all your work, young people, here's a little insider information. If you've obeyed your parents, if you've had a good attitude, if you checked off all your lists and you did more than that was expected, you have a much greater chance of asking them for something and they'll say yes. They'll say, oh my goodness, you've been a star lately and yes, of course, you can go to the movies with your friends or something. You can ask for whatever you want, all right? Within reason. So... And that's the same with God. We ask according to His will. You know, everybody's heart condemns them from time to time. And every one of us knows that sense of wrong when we've blown it. In fact, nobody knows more than us. So it doesn't help other people to remind us of our sin. I'm very well of my sin. Thank you very much. Let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. Don't you play the Holy Spirit. All right? But we understand that our hearts are very sensitive to God. And, and the reason is we, we do that is, is this thing of guilt uh, that comes upon us. Guilt is not necessarily bad. All right? Guilt, uh, John Piper said that guilt uh, to the soul is like pain for your body. All right? It's a warning signal. And so the reason God gives us a little measure of guilt because we've blown it is because we need to correct our behavior and not destroy ourselves. All right? If we continue that way, we're going to destroy ourselves. So that's the whole thing there. God is greater, greater than our hearts, and He knows all things. And I want to take that on the positive side. 
He knows what we're made of. He knows that we're made for dust. He, but dust, and, and, and he knows that, that, and so he made a way for us to come into right relationship uh, with him. And then he also knows that when we're in right relationship with him, then we're in right relationship with others. All right? Number two, a clean heart is the doorway to effective prayer. If you want your prayers to be effective, James says the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman accomplishes much. And that word righteous there, that means you're in right standing before God. So when you come to Christ, when you gave your heart to Jesus, when you became a Christian, when you were born again, you said, God, please forgive my sin. You meant it, and he forgave all of your sin. Well, what about afterwards? We still continue to sin because we live in a body that's fallen, in this flesh, and there's this struggle going on. So say we sin, does that mean we lost our salvation? No. It just means, it doesn't mean that you've lost your relationship with God. It might mean you're kind of out on on fellowship and you don't have this confidence that you had. He wants you to. So what do you do? Do you have to go like, well, you have to, if you stole something, you need to pay it back. You need to make restitution. If you said something that was offensive, you need to ask for forgiveness and apologize. Those kind of things. Yeah, but you've done that and you still have this feeling. And sometimes we get this idea that if we just feel guilty for, you know, say two or three days, then God will look at that and say, okay, you're feeling guilty, and so you've earned your way back into my presence. No, that's not it. Jesus already paid for that. We cannot add anything to that. Honestly, that is a big deal. We need to understand that. It's like um, the story, I think Ray Comfort tells a story, of your son is a lifeguard, and uh, you get a phone call that he... Uh, was saving somebody at the ocean, and there was a tragic accident. So you rush down to the beach, and you see a young, a young man there who has a blanket over him, and uh, he's the one that your son saved, and then the paramedics are working on your son, and they look up to you and they say, I'm sorry, he didn't make it. So here you are. You raised a son. He gave his life for somebody else. And there's a sense of pride and satisfaction, and then there's a huge sense of agony and, and, and um, pain and suffering at the loss of a loved one. So here's that situation. So the family comes over to you, and they just say, thank you. Thank you so much for raising a son that was sacrificial and would give his life for somebody else. And just to show our gratitude, we want to give you 20 bucks. Would you be offended? You're saying, uh, he gave his life. Don't think that you can add anything to it. And see, that's what God says when we come back trying to add to what Jesus already did. Jesus gave his life for our sins to be forgiven. It is finished. When Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, he meant it is finished. Our sin is paid for. And we as believers, we need to have that confidence that nothing we could ever do could add to that. Nothing we could do could take away from that. Jesus paid for your sin. And when we understand that, we go, God, I blew it. I I spoke harshly to my wife. That was wrong. I know that was wrong. Please forgive me. I ask forgiveness from her. And then I go, God, I I, I don't want to sit in this right now. Thank you for restoring me. And so you get up off your duff and you keep going. 
and you don't sit around feeling sorry for yourself and guilty for yourself. That's false pride, and that's actually directed towards you, and that's opposite of what you need to be doing. You say, God, I admit it, I quit it, and I'm moving on. All right? Get up and keep going. We've got a job to do. You don't have enough time in your life to spend three days in guilt for every time you sin the rest of your life. Or you'll never be effective for anything. We have confidence before God that we can come before Him and that our prayers will be answered. Now, this theme is all through Scripture. That sin destroys our our effectiveness in prayer. David says it way back in Psalm 66. He says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. That that word regard means if I hold on to it. If I hold on to the sin in my heart, God's not going to hear me. I have to get rid of it, clean it out, and then my prayers are more effectual. Uh, Peter says, In the same way you husbands must give honor to your wives, treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. There is this theme all through the Bible that sin disrupts our effectiveness in in praying. And so John says we can ask whatever we want. Whatever we ask, let me me not rephrase that one. And we will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him and do the things that please him. So the Life Application Bible commentary says this, Obedience is the result of the Holy Spirit's working in His people, teaching them to desire God's will so that their prayers grow out of this accord between God's will and theirs. So John's statement of confidence here means that believers um, have the assurance that they're accepted by God and that they can boldly come before Him with their requests. So that's... That confidence is rooted in, in knowing that God knows everything. He knows what we are. We, just be honest before Him. So it's imperative that we have a healthy fear of, of God. Not being afraid of, but an awe-filled respect for Him. Number three. So uh, John gives us one command uh, in two parts, and he's actually rephrasing what Jesus commanded. He's passing it on to us. And this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. And Americans always say when they hear the word must, oh, I must, must I. All right? We don't like to be told what to do. That's a cultural thing that we have to get over because Jesus said it too many times. Paul said it too many times. You must. All right? So in this instance, uh, for you... Uh, English majors, this is a a present uh, subjunctive uh, word here, which means it's not you must, like you need to start to. It actually means you need to continue on in this. You believed him, you need to stay there and continue on. Uh, He's not asking them to start believing. He's asking them to continue to trust him, continue to place their faith on, to continue uh, going on, believing in the name of Jesus. And, and loving one another. And so this, requi- this requirement, it's kind of hidden in here, but if you love Jesus, the outworking is that you'll love others, particularly believers. If things are right with God, it's easier to love others. And number four, this is the first instance that John alludes to in this chapter on the mutual indwelling. He says, those who obey God's commandments remain 
in fellowship with him and he with them. And we know he lives in us because the spirit he gave us lives in us. So this word, to remain in fellowship with him. When we remain in him, he remains in us. This word remain, remember last week, we talked about God hating sin. And a good indication of us understanding that is we hate our sin. We hate it. And so the illustration, which wasn't very comfortable, was in the stepping of in something in your backyard that's very unpleasant because whoever was supposed to clean up the dog stuff didn't. And I said, it's not stepping in it in your shoes, it's stepping in it barefoot. And about three-quarters of us have probably had that experience. It's awful. And, and the whole point was, you don't stay there. You get rid of it. You clean it. You sanitize it. You do whatever. You scream and you gag and you do whatever it is to get rid of it. All right? That same word is used here to remain in him. Oh, Jesus, I love you. I want to stay right here. All right? I want to abide with you. Like the branch... The, the, in the vineyard, the branch is attached to the vine. And when you're connected, the life flow goes from, from Almighty God through to you. When you're connected to the body here at Westside, the life flow th- flows through there. You are not created to be in isolation. You were created to be connected. And some of us have to get over that. We need to understand our need for, for a relationship. We have to have a revelation of our need for a relationship to understand that that's where life comes from. That's where maturity and growth comes from. When my brother and I were younger, um, we had an orange tree and a lemon tree in our backyard, and we were like scientists. And uh, so we got a sharp knife and sliced at an angle, uh, a branch off the orange tree, and we stuck a, a knife in the branch of the lemon tree, and we slid that in there, and we wrapped it up good. And you know what? That branch lived and grew, and pretty soon it was attached. It never grew orange limbs that we thought they would be whatever's the branches that's what they grow we didn't know that but we thought that we'd create something new Uh, but it it works because it's attached and sometimes you might feel cut off you might feel abandoned you might feel left out there but i'm telling you you need to be attached to the vine he is the vine he's the head of this church but we're his body you need to be attached to the body as a part of the body, and remain there. Jesus said in John 14, this is the same John, the gospel account of what Jesus said. He said, when I'm raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. You'll know that we're in the Father, and I'm in him, and he's in you. Do you know what that means? That means we're connected as a body, and Jesus was praying fervently for us to understand that as, as believers in Jesus, that we need to be connected to his body because he said, apart from me, y- your efforts are fruitless. Try to grow fruit off a branch that you've cut off of a tree. A branch is all on its own. Try to grow fruit and, and reproduce that way. It doesn't happen. You are most effective when you are plugged in, planted into the body of Christ, plugged into him foremost so are you plugged in are you attached first of all to jesus do you abide there do you stay there 
This is, this is not him commanding you, get over here. He's saying, come, please come, please come. Come in close. I want to embrace you. I want you to achieve all that I've called you to do. I put gifts in you. And not one other people among 7 billion people on this planet can do what I've called you to do. You have to do it. And you can't do it by yourself. You've got to do it in me. That's what he's saying. And the, the results of us actively listening to him and actively applying the, the, the truths that he gives us, like John has been telling us in, in this uh, uh, letter to us, the, the result of that is that we're abiding in the Lord and we're becoming fruitful and we're starting to love each other in detectable ways. Not just loving each other in, up here, but actually de- demonstrating uh, that we love Him. Uh, when our guilt gets calmed down because we know and we're confident before Him, uh, there's all kinds of things that, that, that take place. Our prayer life becomes more bold and more effective. And we see answers to prayer that we never have seen before. Uh, because when believers intentionally uh, uh, submit themselves to God's will and His ways, abiding there, they can't help but obey His commandments and do what pleases Him. It's just an outworking of that. And that assumes that we're praying according to His will, of course, It's not praying to win the lottery. But if you want to know what to pray, pray according to His will. He would that all men come to repentance. So you can pray confidently, knowing that He wants everyone to come to repentance. You can pray for your family and friends, your co-workers, your classmates, and pray for them effectively, knowing that you're praying according to the will of God. You can pray uh, the first uh, chapter of Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians. There's great prayers that Paul is praying for the body. All through Scripture, there is prayers. And the Psalms... And in prophecy, all these things, you can just open the scripture and start praying these over people. I say, um, I realize this is Logan's Bible, not mine. So mine's uh, a little easier to find because I'm used to it. So let's see. Here's some examples. Here's the first chapter of Ephesians. And he says... Um, For this reason, in verse 15, I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward the saints. So I could be, I could open this up in the morning with my time with the Lord and start praying for you. And this is what I could do. Just change the the pronouns here. I do not cease to give thanks to God for you, remembering you in my prayer, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints. There's riches of the inheritance in the saints. When we get plugged in, we get all this inheritance. And they get mine. And and it's this big pool of wealth and, and, and growth and maturity in God. You can take Scripture and just pray it in there. That's how you can pray according to God's will. So, take a deep breath. I hope you know how great it is to have confidence before God. If, if you went in front of the President of the United States or the President of Russia or the Premier of North Korea, you'd be a little bit fear and trembling. You're not exactly sure what's going to happen. 
But hear the most awesome person in the universe, Almighty God, we can go right into His presence. And He'll hear what we have to say. Because we understand that we haven't earned our salvation. Jesus has. And we simply apply that by faith and say, God, thank you for forgiving my sin. I can come into your presence. I don't have to be afraid of you anymore. Paul says we go in front of him and call him Abba, Father. That means Papa or Daddy. A very affectionate term. Yes, he's not our chum and our buddy. We need to still hold God in in awe-filled respect at the same time, but we know that we have confidence to come before him. So here's where we're at. In the last uh, few uh, months, we've talked about authenticity as a believer, going through the book of 1 John. We've talked about encountering Jesus. You need to encounter Jesus, and then you'll testify about him. An authentic believer obeys God's word and loves one another and does not love this world and knows the truth and remains faithful, is a child of God and demonstrates love and does not keep on sinning. Those are all the titles of the sermons we've had the last few months here. And so um, there's a pivotal point. Because we've done those things starting today and the next three weeks after, we will be confident in our faith. It's if, then. If we do these things, then. Confident in our faith. We'll be discerning next week. We'll be maturing and growing and moving forward the next week. And the, and the last week in this month, we'll be victorious. We'll be victorious. And this is a great, uh, that'll be the great finish of the series. But this is the pivotal week here. We're seeing the benefits of on- authenticity in, in us. In following after Him. Father, thank You for this word this morning. God, I pray that we as a church will meditate on this, that we will take it seriously, that we can come confidently before you. We can exhibit confidence when we're sharing our faith. We know that we know that we know who you are. We know that you've forgiven our sins. We know that you've demonstrated your love toward us and the world And we can confidently share that in our sphere of influence. We can confidently go about our business that you called us to do. We can be confident in coming before your throne. Thank you for this great gift. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Steve. Uh, It is an amazing thing that uh, we can be in his presence. We can be in his presence confidently. It's, uh, it's, it is a wonderful gift. It's actually just a gift that we can partner with him uh, to do his work on this earth. Um, these things are there. Sometimes we, we have a tendency to think that, oh, God, don't ask me to do that. Um, oh, man, you know, I don't know if I want to do that. But it's such a pleasure, actually, that he would even use us. You know, we live with us. We know what our problems are. But God overlooks that, and he helps us to walk through those things. And he uses us anyway, and it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Uh, if you will, if you can, let's stand up. We're going to sing one last song together. Uh, we're going to let this sink in and think about uh, the word that's been given to us today and let it penetrate our hearts. Uh, we don't want to just let it float on the surface and slide off. We want to, when, when God gives us something, we want to make sure that we, uh, we give it its due and we, we think about it and we say, how am I going to change or what am I going to adjust um, in order to make this, this word that God has given me alive in my, in my heart and in my life. We have the... Uh, Elements for communion up here in, in the front and the back. We have our baskets for our giving. Um, remember, you can't outgive God. And we uh, just ask that you remain faithful in that. And let's, uh, let's celebrate him this morning. 
let's, as we're taking communion, let's just think about the wonderful Savior that we have who washed us with his blood and allowed us to walk confidently into the presence of Almighty God. Amen.